Hi, thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Howard Unger, and The Pharmacist is in. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening. I hope everybody's doing well. Just a little change in scheduling. Initially, the Pharmacist is in podcast was going to be or was a weekly podcast. We're going to be changing that to an every other week. It'll be on the same day, uh, Wednesday, at 2 o'clock it will be released. We're changing it instead of four times a month, it's going to be two. The content is not going to change. The subject matter is not going to change. The aim of the Pharmacist is in podcast will stay the same. Just letting everyone know to expect it twice a month rather than four times a month. Okay, this week what we're going to be discussing are the antifungal medications that uh, we see many times over the counter. Some are by prescription. So let's begin. What is a fungus? Well, a fungus can be a single cell organism or can have or be a multi-cell organism. Many funguses are actually visible to the naked eye. We look at mushrooms. A mushroom is a fungus. Uh, keeping bread out of the refrigerator in a um, dark, moist area you get mold. Molds are funguses. So for many of the funguses that we talk about, they are visible to the naked eye. However, there are a tremendous amount of funguses that are not. They are too small to be seen by the naked eye. And they spread by what we call spores. These are, if you lack of a better word, kind of eggs of funguses that spread throughout the air. They're located on many surfaces and that's one of the ways that, uh, that a fungus will spread and go to different areas and cause an infection. Now, for the most part, funguses are not that dangerous to our health. Funguses usually don't pose any major health risk. Some of the more common funguses that we know are athlete's foot, jock itch. Sometimes we have rashes, uh, funguses that cause rashes in our skin. But overall, they are not life-threatening. And for the healthy individual, they pose no real problem. But there are individuals that they do pose a more of a risk of a problem. And those individuals are what we call immunocompromised. Now, I remember speaking about this in a couple of episodes before about the immune system and how the immune system is our first line of defense against any kind of external organism, uh, bacteria, virus, uh, and also now fungus. So if your immune system is in any way, shape, or form reduced or compromised or not as effective, this can pose a risk, a how much higher health risk uh, for this type of infection. So what type of individuals may have immune-compromised systems? Well, Individuals, for example, that may have genetically immune-compromised systems. It has nothing to do with anything that's going on uh, for treatment of any kind of uh, disease. It's just genetically they may have an immune-compromised system. Others are patients, for example, who are being treated HIV. Patients who are on corticosteroids or steroids. I explain this uh, in the steroid episode where steroids can reduce the immune system. Patients who are on uh, anti-rejection medications, for example, organ transplants, 
also patients who are being treated with cancer chemotherapy. The immune systems generally in those patients may not be as effective or may be compromised or reduced, and therefore fungal infections can impose a much higher health risk than for individuals who are healthy. Now, where do funguses live in the environment? Well, again, we, we talked about the ones we can see, but the ones we don't see, the spores float in the air. We breathe them in. Uh, they land on top of surfaces. Generally, what you'll find is where spores tend to like to grow are in areas that are usually poorly lit, warm, and moist. So with that being said, we can see, for example, that funguses will grow very well in uh, swimming pools and around the swimming pool. Saunas make an excellent area where you could pick up a fungal infection. Community bathrooms, for example, in gyms, a shower area, that's an area where if somebody had come in with a fungal infection, may leave some of those spores around so that you need to be aware of those areas. So what are some of the common fungal infections that we generally see? Uh, ringworm is one type of fungal infection. Oral thrush. This is a, um, an infection that occurs in the mouth. It looks as though your tongue is coated. It has kind of a brownish, yellowish color. And what occurs here is the, fungal, the spore gets into the oral area, your mouth area, and starts to grow. Vaginal infections, yeast infection. Yeast is a fungus. So a vaginal yeast infection is considered a fungal infection. And again, this coincides with the fact that warm, dark, moist areas will propagate the fungus. As I said before, athlete's foot, jock itch. These are all areas that generally light doesn't get to. Uh, it's moist and it's warm. Probably one of the most common fungal infections that occur in the general public is nail and nail fungus infections. And generally that occurs um, in the toenails, but I've actually seen it in the nails of the hand, uh, the fingers. But most commonly it occurs in the toenails. And the reason for that, well, there's a number of reasons for that. Again, you're wearing a shoe, very little light if no light gets in, your feet sweat, they're moist, and it's warm. And generally, the characteristics of fungal toenail infection are the nail gets brittle, it gets discolored, gets a brownish, yellowish color. It also becomes, uh, sometimes it becomes thickened. Sometimes the nail will actually detach from the toe. So what are some of the factors that you should look for when talking about toenail fungus? If you're a person who has, uh, who gets tends to get a lot of athlete's foot, that's an indication that you need to start to concern yourself about the potential of toenail fungus. Going in swimming pools, that's an area where one can pick up a good toenail fungus. Using and wearing tight shoes. Wearing tight shoes is another issue which reducing circulation to the toes. Also wearing tight shoes increases the amount of sweat that your feet have and being that the shoe does not have any opening where light can come in, perfect area for fungus to, to grow. Peripheral vascular disease or, 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 
or peripheral arterial disease, again, a reduction in blood flow to that area, genetic disposition, and of course, people who are on steroids or taking immunosuppressive drugs for either organ transplants or cancer chemotherapy. Now, it's estimated that anywhere between 3 to 12% of the American population has some type of nail fungus, so it's rather common. But there are ways you can prevent nail fungus from and getting hold. First, when going into any type of communal swimming pool, make sure when you get out, you dry your feet very well. Make sure that you want to wear flip-flops more than anything else because the flip-flops are open to the environment, to the air, moisture is drying, the toes are exposed or the feet are exposed to sunlight or some type of light. It's not a darkened area and that it'll not be warm enough for the fungus to really catch hold. Another is wearing shoes that are not tight. You'd also like to make sure that you change your shoes after wearing them every other day. Don't wear the same shoes for a long period of time. Taking your shoes off also as many times as you can just to get the air to the, uh, to the toes, to the feet, so that uh, any moisture is evaporated out also uh, if you can take your socks off, exposing them to light. These types of actions can be preventative in getting uh, toenail fungus. Another point basically being is not sharing towels or shoes or socks uh, and making sure that if you do give someone socks or shoes that you properly cleanse them, have some type of cleanser or with socks, making sure you properly wash them before putting them back on. General treatment of nail fungus usually occurs, for example, in many times over-the-counter products. You have um, uh, liquid polishes, you have creams. Unfortunately, they are really not that effective. Even after applying these creams and um, liquids to the nail over long periods of time, let's say over a year, the success rate is very low in, in curing the nail fungus, partly because that, nail, that fungus is underneath the nail, in the nail bed, where these creams and liquids can't get to. What you need to do if you truly want to have this cured is treat the nail fungus systemically through the blood system, through the circulatory system, and that requires that you take oral medications. So that's really the most effective way of treating fungus, fungal infections is systemically, especially when we're talking about nail fungus. So how do antifungal medications work? Very interesting. There are five categories of antifungal medications, and without going into them in detail because rather organic medicinals and uh, big words, nothing really that important for you to know, but they do tend to work all categories, all five of these categories, somewhere on the fungus's membrane, the cell membrane. Some medications will make the cell membrane very porous. So hopefully what will occur is fluid will come into the cell membrane, into the cell and burst it. Another method is by inhibiting a certain enzyme that prevents the membrane from working properly, therefore killing the fungus because that membrane isn't working properly. Another method that is being used 
is that there's an interference in some type of other activity of the membrane that causes the fungus to die. So it all revolves around the structure of the fungus and how that fungus works and how that structure, the cell membrane works, that these medications affect. In terms of side effects, there are very few side effects for over-the-counter medications uh, at all. For the ointments and creams, maybe some itching, burning area, burning sensation in the area that applied. For some of the oral medications, stomach upsets, bowel upsets, diarrhea, those are overall the general side effects of any of these antifungals that are taken orally. So let's do a recap of antifungal medications. A fungus can be a single cell or a multi-cell organism. The funguses spread by spores. The spores can land on any kind of flat surfaces. They tend to like to be and grow in areas that are dark and moist and warm. So keep that in mind as we go through the, re- as we go through the recap. Generally, funguses are not life-threatening. For a healthy individual, a fungus poses really no um, very high risk of, of, sil- of sickness or illness. However, with patients who have a depressed or compromised immune system, uh, they can create a, a major problem, health problem. There is a higher risk of problems with fungal infections with immunocompromised patients. These patients may be patients that are being treated for cancer chemotherapy, organ transplant patients with immunosuppressive medications, patients who are on steroids, patients that may be HIV positive and are being treated for that, patients who may have a genetic disposition for a less effective immune system or a depressed immune system. Those are the people who that fungal infections pose a higher risk of disease for. The antifungal medications can be given both orally, topically. They are in the form of ointments, creams, polishes, tablets, capsules, and injectables, if that's needed. The non-prescription medications, over-the-counter medications, generally you find in creams and ointments and some type of polish that you, uh, that you apply. Effectiveness, very limited. Very, usually not very successful. Even after a long period of time of using it, it's not very successful. They do, in certain circumstances, prevent the spread of the fungus, but very rarely do they cure any serious fungal infection, toenail fungal infection. What's needed there is oral medications that get into the circulatory system because the fungus has now already gotten under the nail, into the nail bed, and where it's needed, uh, what's needed to be done there is the uh, circulatory system brings the medication to that area. And um, course of therapy can be as short as six weeks. The side effects of oral medications, generally gastrointestinal, upset stomach, maybe some diarrhea. Uh, for the topical, can be itchy skin, maybe a little burning in that area. So the side effects are rather limited. So what about the antifungal medications? There are five basic groups. They're characterized by their chemical component or their chemical names. But for general purposes, they all work on the fungal cell wall. One may work to increase uh, the porosity or porousness of the cell wall, hoping that fluid comes into the cell and bursts it. 
Another prevents a certain enzyme from making the cell wall work. The cell wall is where the antifungals work to kill the cell fungus. So I hope this has answered some of the questions you have about antifungal medications, some over-the-counter, some by prescription. And until next time, take care, be well, and be medication smart. This has been The Pharmacist Is In podcast, hosted by Howard Unger. If you like what you heard, please click on the subscribe button. And if you feel so, leave comments in the star rating below. It really helps the podcast in gaining greater exposure to larger audiences. And why not? This is important information. I would like to mention I have no affiliation with any pharmaceutical company or medical institution, nor do I represent any product, product line, or corporate pharmacy entities. Please remember that this podcast is not a substitute for your healthcare provider. If you should have any questions concerning diagnosis or treatment, contact your trusted healthcare provider. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week for The Pharmacist is In podcast. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay medication smart.